You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Well, today is a message, kind of a standalone, and next week we begin an exciting series on the latter part of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, it's going to take us through the summer, and it's so, it's awesome. I mean, it's just filled with application of things we do with our lives, so I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to what I'm going to share here this morning as well. I'm going to start with some, um, with some charts. Look at this one. Um, this is the indebtedness of American households. Now, don't confuse this with the national debt. This is not that. So the blue there is mortgages. That's what we own, mortgages. And followed by the orange, our home equity line of credit. And then the green is auto loans and then credit card. Student loans, which is really growing, and, and other debt there on top. So it, it's topped um, 14.6 trillion dollars. It's never been this high. Here's how it's grown. Say from uh, 2016 to uh, 2001. Actually, now it's uh, 4.24 trillion dollars and growing. At the same time, here is our personal savings chart. You see, back in 1980, if you can read those little numbers here, back in 1980, we were saving between 10 and 12 percent. Now and 2015 and beyond, we're saving about 2.5%. Juxtapose that with, um, um, with the debt we have. The, the blue line represents indebtedness of American families. Um, and the, uh, the light blue line um, represents the savings of American families. And you see that they've crossed now. We're spending more on debt than we are in savings According to a 2014 survey of 3,068 individuals by the Harris Research Firm, revealed that 72% of Americans felt stressed about money at least once during the past month, and 22% say they experienced extreme stress in the last month. Less than half of Americans have a three-month cushion of savings and nearly a quarter of all Americans have no savings at all. And a stunning number of us are one or two paychecks away from a full-on crisis. According to an article by the CBS Money Watch website, they said 54% of us recently spent $100 or more on an impulse buy, and that 20% of us spent at least $1,000 on an impulse purchase in the last month. You see, we're gonna talk about money here a little bit this morning, and the reason we are is because Jesus did a bunch. In fact, Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined because it's the stuff of life. One of the ways that we get kind of sideways in our thinking about money is we compare ourselves with others. And comparison is a never, it's never a, 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 a game we can win. If we compare ourselves to somebody that we think we're doing better than, then we kind of get the big head and we lose. Uh, 
If we compare ourselves to somebody who is doing better than we are, we feel defeated and we lose. And comparison whittles away at this wonderful thing called contentment, which the Bible promises. Look what Paul says in 1 Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain. He goes on and he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. And let me stop here and tell you, right now, Paul's writing this letter to the Philippian church. He's in prison. And he says, I've learned to be content. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Contentment. When you feel resentment, or sadness or disappointment when somebody you know has a, a newer house or a newer car, a nicer car, or takes some exotic vacations, you are opening the door to covetousness. And when you covet, you're in dangerous territory. When you open that door, you open a hellish portal that all kinds of evils come pouring through. Jesus himself warned against this. He said, take heed and be aware of covetousness. <laughs> For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Here's what God is saying. Why would you ever covet when you have me? Why would you ever feel insecure or insignificant when the God of the universe loves you and wants a relationship with you? The vital foundation of a life of contentment is simply understanding that no possession, no achievement, no position, and no person on this earth can fulfill the deepest longings of your heart. Only God can do that. Not a new job, not a promotion, not a, a new house or a car or any sort of recognition can satisfy this need in you. And it's this lack of contentment that is the driving force to so many Americans living upside down financially. I had another chart and it just didn't, it didn't read well. You know, in other words, you couldn't see it, but but now the average American family is, is ha, has actually more indebtedness. They are, they are obligating themselves to more indebtedness than they have income. They are borrowing against the future. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin can destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Which is interesting. It's not where your heart is, there your treasure will be. It's where your treasure is, your heart will surely follow. 
No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. There's an old-fashioned word that we don't use much in our vocabulary. It's called steward. And that's what we're talking about, how to be a steward of what God has placed in our hands. The Oxford English Dictionary says, a steward is a person employed to manage another person's property. In other words, the steward doesn't own the property. He just manages it for someone else, and that's us. Here's the question we have to decide. We have to nail down the answer to this. Who owns your stuff? Who owns it? Who owns your money, your home, your cars, your furniture, your electronics, your clothes, and all the material goods you routinely and casually call mine? Who owns that? There's no, there's no path to real blessing that doesn't begin with getting this question right. Who owns these things? If you understand the biblical concept of being a steward, you would say, God owns all, and he's put it in my hands for a season. It says, um, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. I think there's a couple reasons why we resist answering this question. Why we resist a benevolent God saying, these are my things and you are stewards. I think there's three reasons. One is fear. Second is a scarcity mentality. We, we see the world and... We, we, we think there's only so much and, and we've got this piece of pie and if we give this, our pie is smaller. I think there's a third reason. It's one we don't like. We don't trust God. We don't trust him. Stewardship is living with a heart and a recognition that your money and your possessions and even your body does not belong to you. I have a friend that I want to, to share now. His name is Mark Bloss. Mark is part of our Tuesday morning prayer gathering. About 13 to 15 guys gather on Tuesday morning right back in the, the tail end of the sanctuary. We circle our chairs, we read scripture, we discuss it, we pray for our church, we pray for our community, we pray for the other churches in our community, and we pray for one another. And over these eight years, it has been such a, a highlight to me. Mark began to join us about four years ago. I have watched his growth. I have Watch what the Lord has done in his life. And I'm anxious for him to share with you. Would you welcome to our platform, Mark Bloss. Thank you. Good morning. 
I'm humbled to be able to share my story with you this morning. My hope is that God uses my story to illustrate the blessings of stewardship, and with good stewardship comes generosity. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines stewardship as the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So you may ask, how does conducting, supervising, or carefully managing something make us generous? Well, a biblical view of stewardship is recognizing that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it, Psalms 24.1. This also includes our time, talents, our bodies, our minds, and even God's image. God created man in his own image, Genesis 1.27. And because we were created in his image, we have a responsibility to be a good steward of that image. If we recognize that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it, and we work towards using what has been given to us to honor and glorify God and the fact that we're made in his image, how could we not be generous? My first Sunday here at Lima Community Church was the third Sunday in September 2017. I had recently started dating an amazing woman who put God's center of her life. I knew that if I wanted my relationship with her to grow, that I had to examine my own relationship with the Lord, so I asked her if I could go to church with her. For background, I was born into a great family, a family that went to church on Sundays and centered our lives around God. I remember where I was at, whom I was with, when I accepted Jesus as my Savior at eight years old. In my early teenage years, I attended church with a friend from school, but as I approached high school, my priorities shifted and my relationship with God was lacking. I was not seeking, I was not giving God my time, my attention, and certainly not being obedient the way he wants us to live. Fast forward nearly 20 years, and I find myself at Lima Community Church. I was certainly seeking that day, nervous, maybe more so than standing here now, but I was longing for a connection with God. That third Sunday in September was the first time I attended a church service in nearly two decades. God knew I was seeking, and he did not disappoint. As is the fashion, Jonathan led us in worship, and then we had our announcements. After our announcements, there was a call for tithes and offerings. As the plates were being passed, I noticed that my date had her envelope sealed up and ready to go. I reached for my wallet to stick in a 20, and my date said, you don't have to do that. I said, it's okay, I want to. Pastor Doug soon took the platform and began his message. His message that day was not part of a sermon series, but was a one-off message on tithing. As Doug began his message on tithing, quoting some statistics and referencing scripture, I got an elbow on the side from my girlfriend. It's not always like this. <laughs> to be clear, she was not turned off by the message. Quite the opposite. She was a tither, obedient to what scripture calls us to do, and is a generous person as a natural outcome of following God's commands. She was more concerned about my perception of church and that my first church service in nearly 20 years was a message about giving our money to the church. My perception is quite the opposite. I was in awe. I was in awe as I felt that God prepared this whole message for me. Managing finances was and is a large portion of what I do for a living. Money can quickly become our idol, our source of security, our God. Jesus called it the spirit of mammon. I felt that God was giving me a personal invite that day to walk in obedience, to test him in this, Malachi 3.10. The invite I felt that day to walk in obedience took a weight off my shoulders and was the catalyst for me to grow my relationship with Christ. 
As I walked in obedience and began to tithe, the pressure that I felt for money became less and less. Tithing became easy. I was and am today at ease and have peace with departing with those funds. Offering above and beyond my tithe became an opportunity to seek God's desire for me, to listen to what he is directing me to do with his resources, and walk in faith. I was becoming a good steward, and giving became fun. A little over a year later, when I was flying back from a weekend seminar that a colleague, that a colleague traveling with me introduced me to Robert Morris's The Blessed Life. In that book, Pastor Robert talks about the biblical principles of stewardship, giving, and blessings. When I took a, what I took away from this book was the principles of stewardship and how being a good steward led God to bless us and entrust us with more. More to steward on his behalf. More to advance his kingdom and bless his people. This is not limited to money. Remember, being a good steward includes everything that God has entrusted to us, including our time, our talents, resources, and even people who look up to us as leaders. In December, I was a guest on a nationally ranked real estate podcast. I was asked, what's your why? What drives you? My response was that I feel that God has blessed me with vision, talents, and resources, and it is my responsibility to steward those blessings. I believe that if we do the right thing, then success is a byproduct. What I have learned in preparing for this message is that being a good steward for our Lord gives me purpose, not only in my professional career, but also in my spiritual walk. As I have grown in my relationship with Christ, I have changed my perception about giving and generosity. Being generous or giving is not a task, it is not a box that needs to be checked, it is not done in exchange for God's blessing, but it is a privilege, and, is being able to do, and being able to do so is a reward of good stewardship. We don't give to get. We don't, we don't give to get. We get to give. Generosity is a byproduct of good stewardship. Thank you. I believe the Lord wants for each of us a generous life. We would just live generously. That money wouldn't be a struggle, that it wouldn't choke us, that we would have more month than money left over. And with what is uh, in abundance, God would say, I want some of it to go here. I'd like you to give some of it there to be generous. It's great, a great joy to be a generous person. You know, there's a, there's a, a couple ditches we can fall into uh, as, as we talk about money. One is a, a poverty mindset that, um, that to be a Christian means we, we just live in poverty. Another one is, a, is, is the materialistic mindset or the prosperity gospel that God wants to just, just bless you so much, you know. I don't think either are true. Yes, God wants to bless us, but, but not, he doesn't want us to be hoarding and hungry for it. He wants us to, to deal well with our financial responsibilities and trust him to show us where to put the rest. And I recognize that when I talk about generosity, I think the last time I did, I, 
I, I didn't drop back and address a couple issues because I know there may be some here who might say, well, you know, it's, it's all fine and good to talk about generosity, but right now I am up to here in bills and expenses and I, I, I don't have any wiggle room. I, I get that. And uh, so I just want to talk about that for a moment. I, I think one of the most important things we do is we live within our means. And one of the things that, uh, that when we don't live within our means, we borrow against the future and we get into all kind of trouble. So one of the ways we avoid that is we develop a budget. When you develop a budget, you, you see things more clearly and objectively. You, you, you can examine and clarify your values and priorities. You, you have a basis for discussion and agreement in your home. You live within your means and you live free from the bondage of debt, of debt. And it builds character and discipline in your life. And, and um, there are so many tools that, that can help you. If you have a, a smartphone, you can go to your app store and download all kinds of apps that will help you track your money and, and establish a budget. One of the first things you want to do in establishing a budget is, is put it in two categories, the mandatory category and the discretionary category. Mandatory category are those things that have to be paid unless you want a collector coming or you want somebody coming to take your car. These, these are payments like mortgage or rent and car payments and insurance payments. And, and if you stop paying them, you get into trouble. The discretionary um, budget items, uh, you have a little bit more control of how much you spend in groceries or entertainment or dining out. Those kind of things fall in that category. Um, there's a, there's a, a principle uh, of getting out of debt which we've helped a lot of people with. There's a, a program we'll probably do in the fall called uh, Financial Peace University. And it teaches um, uh, a, a concept called a debt snowball. And it looks like this. You list all of your debts from your smallest debt to your largest, regardless of what the interest rates are and regardless of what the payment is. You make a minimum payment on all your debts except the one you owe the least amount of money on. And then you pay as much as you can on that one. And then when that's paid off, you take whatever you are paying on that and you add to the payment on the next lowest debt. And when that's paid off, you add it to the next. And before long, you're seeing this snowball uh, go down the hill. And, and people have found that they can get out of debt quickly. Um, and what happens when you're out of debt? <laughs> Freedom. Freedom. No more payments. No more answering to collectors. No more watching your paychecks disappear. It's called living the generous life. We put God first in everything. Why? Because he loves us and he redeems us. And, and we gratefully receive everything God puts in our hands. And then we steward it. We place it where he tells us to place it. 
We hold the blessings of God open in our hands. Every once in a while, Jonathan tells us in worship, open your hands, just open them before the Lord. That's what we do with our stuff. We, we hold them with open hands, prepared to give or distribute as, as he directs. You know, one of the key principles in living a generous life is tithing. And, and tithing it, it, it isn't that, uh, that God's interested in your money. He's interested in your heart. Tithing isn't about legalism. It's, it's life. It's spiritual life. It's hard to overemphasize this. The spiritual practice of faithfully tithing is neither for him or about him. It's for you and about you. And so we call it the principle of tithing. It's the principle of putting God first. The tithe exists as both a reminder and as a test. It's a reminder that God actually owns it all and he asks for this portion. And it's a test as to whether or not he really has first place in our lives. Here's the scripture. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then he says this. The only place in scripture he says this. Test me in this, he says. Says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Test me in this. And so I encourage you to, to do that. He said we can. If you're not currently tithing, um, why don't you test them? Why don't you say, Lord, all right. Maybe set aside three months. And after three months, then ask yourself the question, have I been blessed? And, and I would tell you, don't just look for blessings along financial lines, although I think they'll, they'll happen. We, please understand, we don't give to get I don't, I don't like the idea where we say, oh, you, you give this much, then God's going to bless you so much back. I think the principle is such that when God sees he can trust somebody with, with money, he'll channel more that way. I believe that's true. But it, it's not that we're giving with this selfish motive of getting more. We're giving because it, it, it's wonderful. It blesses God and it's a generous life and it's fun. I, I have three pastor friends that I dearly love in India. I, I, Debbie and I met them um, a year and a half ago. We were at a prayer conference in South Korea and we've kept up with them. We, we trade emails every week. About a week ago, a little bit more than a week ago, one of them wrote and said, Doug, our whole province, he's up in Nagaland, which is up by Nepal, way north in, in India. And it's an area where being a Christian is dicey business. They've declared war on Christianity. 
He said, Doug, um, the country has shut our province down. We're not even allowed to leave the house. He said, uh, there are so many people uh, under our care and some who aren't, who are hungry. They, they, they don't even have a meal. He said, I wonder if Lima Community Church couldn't help us. Well, I, I have a lot of friends outside of Nazarene circles and our, our Nazarene giving, I think for good reason, goes through our Nazarene missionaries and so I, I wouldn't ask the church to help. But God laid it on my heart. He, he's never done this before. And it occurred to me that there were untold numbers of families that were going to have a very difficult time and were quite literally starving. And so the Lord placed on my heart that I had this much amount of money in savings and that I needed to take that and give it to my missionary friend in Nagaland. And he further instructed that, that I wasn't to give it all at one time, but rather I was to give it over a period of so many days because I'm not sure I can trust the, the means of conveyance. And so if some of it gets lost, it won't be all of it. But so far, after seven days, it's, it's all gotten there and I've got a couple more days to go. I can't tell you, and I haven't told you how much or anything, I... I that's between, you know, Lord and us. But I can't tell you the joy it gives me. I, I can't. He provided that kind of money that we had sitting in savings. And, and we could participate with him. You know, Debbie and I have tithe. This is my beautiful wife sitting on the front row here. 42 years. Can you believe that? 42 years. And for 42 years, we've tithed. The first 10 years um, in ministry, we were itinerant. We went from church to church, college to college, youth camp to youth camp. And every year, at the end of the year, I would take my little shoebox full of receipts to my accountant, and we would work out the taxes. And every year, he would say to me, he says, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you could make so little and give so much and still be afloat. I said, it's God's math. He's never let us down. And so over the years, he's trusted us. And over the years, we've become more financially free. We are free to share more. And I can't tell you, the joy it is, a generous life is a joyous way to live. I think this is what God wants. I think he wants us to place him first in everything because he loves us and he's redeemed us and he is worthy. I believe we receive from him those things he puts in our hands and we are thankful for them. And I believe we hold them lightly and we generously share them as he instructs us. Because they're his. 
and we are his. I want to suggest to you that you have a father in heaven who loves you, who has been so generous with you that you can trust, that you can trust. And I encourage you to do so. Would you stand for a benediction? Father, I pray your blessing upon these I love and you love so much more. This week, would they walk in obedience? This week, would they trust you? This week, would they see your resources come to bear in their lives? I pray that they will forgive as they have been forgiven. They will love as they have been loved. They will give as they have been given to. Bless them, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. I love you. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.